Hey, as we get started today, can we welcome those who are joining us online, those in person on our multi-sites and our friends down in Belize? So I have a question for you as we get started. Who do you know who is encouraging? Maybe it's a person who brings out the best in you. They always seem like they have the right word at the right time, or they might just be a person who is so kind. For me, I think back to an experience that happened 11 years ago when I first started working at this church. Uh, I moved my family, if you don't know my story, uh, from California to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when you move across a couple states, uh, it's really hard. You've got to pack up your U-Haul truck, and moving to the desert is never very easy. And as disorienting as it was to move to a new location, what was equally disorienting was starting to work in a new place. Because if you've ever started a job at a new place or a new company or something like that, it's always really hard. Because for the first couple of weeks, you're just confused, right? You don't know where every, everything is. So you're wondering, where are the bathrooms? Like, who are the safe people to talk to in the office? What do you say around the boss, both good or bad. And during that time, it was just like uh, an anxiety-ridden time for me where I was just wondering what could happen in the future. Well, I was so blessed, though, because God sent me some great, great friends during that time who said, Andrew, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. They taught me everything that I needed to know about New Mexico, including what chili to eat and what chili was really hot. Sometimes I got that wrong, though. Uh, they taught me where to go in Albuquerque and where it was safe to go during the regular hours. But past 10, they told me where never to go. Um, they told me all sorts of different things. And there was one couple who actually went above and beyond to really help me out. And I was just a new pastor here. And they saw probably that I was a new person coming into that environment. And so they just took it up an even higher notch to encourage me. And so I still remember the day. I was only two months into my time here at the church, and I was sitting in my little cubicle. And during that time, our church was growing so rapidly that they had taken like one office, and they had converted it into eight different cubicles. And so we all worked very closely with one another. There was this one day that I was making phone calls and everything else, and Todd walked in. And Todd walked in with a letter in his hand. And he walked in and he stopped at my cubicle. And I remember thinking, oh no, what is this? And so I stood up to greet him and he said, no, why don't you sit down? I've got something to tell you. And I'm like, oh no. Like, what did I do? I have only worked at this church for two months. I mean, is that a letter that I'm getting terminated today? Is that letter of some feedback, of something he wants me to know about, that some person in our church got really mad at me, or something else? My anxiety was like at an all-time high in this moment. And you have to know, previously before I came to this church, I had come from a bad church experience where things just weren't very good, leadership wasn't very healthy, and so I was a little bit wounded at the time. So Todd had me sit down, and then he proceeded to open the letter and he began to read. He said, I want you to hear this. He says, Dear Todd, by the time you read this letter, we hope that you have recovered from your hectic Easter schedule and that you had the time to celebrate this sacred time with your loved ones. We're writing you today to give you some feedback on our recent experiences becoming new members of Sagebrush. 
We had been attending the church for almost a year and made the decision to participate in the weekly starting point classes from mid-February through mid-March. We came to know and appreciate Sandy and Daryl very much as they led those classes. One of the participants in the class was Andrew Poe, who proudly told us that he had recently accepted a ministry position with the church and had moved his family to Rio Rancho from California. Andrew has been a great blessing to us, Todd. And we're writing to you specifically so that you could know what a wonderful addition you have to the Sagebrush Ministry staff. Andrew has diligently followed up with us in, in helping us to get plugged into the Sagebrush community. He has put me in touch with Bob, the pit stop ministry leader, and I plan on joining him and his helpers on April 17th to help them with their excellent work. During the phone call to our home, Andrew, upon hearing that I was having some minor surgery last week, assured us that he would pray for my safe recovery, and he prayed with Donna on the phone. Anyway, we know that you're busy, and you probably get hundreds of emails and letters every week. We just wanted you to know that we really appreciate what Andrew has done. It wouldn't be right, though, if we didn't close this letter without telling you how much we appreciate your hard work. Your weekly messages are inspiring to us. We are so proud to have joined Sagebrush. Signed, Donna and Ed. Todd finished reading that letter, and he looked at me and he said, great job, Andrew. He handed me the letter and he said, you keep that letter for the rest of your life. He said, we are so proud to have you on our team here at Sagebrush. Then he walked away. And I remember sitting there in my chair, just like holding the letter and shaking. Because I couldn't believe the contents of what had taken place. And I remember in that moment almost being in tears. And after sitting and shaking for about 30 seconds, I heard this little voice from the cubicle next to me that said, Way to go, Poe! <laughs> All my coworkers had heard what had gone on. But to this day, 11 years later, I've kept this letter. Because it was so encouraging to me in that moment. And I can say now after being a pastor here at this church for the past 11 years, I am so thankful for each and every one of you and for the encouragement that you've given me over all these years. I'm so thankful to be your pastor. We don't get encouragement like that often, do we? You don't hear things like that. In fact, most of us in our lives, we live in a vacuum of encouragement. The people around us just tell us everything that we need to do better, and often we never hear those words of encouragement. We get so busy, don't we, that we miss those opportunities to lift another person up. And that goes about daily. But that's why this message today is so critical. Because today, I want to give you an extra helping of praise I want to give you some extra helping on how you can really encourage other people, how you can lift them up. Now, the Bible is filled with ways that you and I can encourage one another. And we're constantly encouraged just to speak words of life into other people. And we find one of the best examples in Scripture in the person of Barnabas. Now, Barnabas actually isn't his real name. It's a nickname. Now, I don't know if you've had a nickname over your life, but I've had uh, tons of different nicknames. Like, w when I was just a young kid, my aunt nicknamed me Bud. And so my whole family called me Bud. And it's just my extended family. When I was in high school, I was known as Andy. 
I hate the name Andy. But I was known as Andy, and, and sometimes people would call my house, and they would say, hey, is Andy there? And my family members would say, nope, Andy doesn't live here. Then they'd just hang up. So that one didn't stick. Uh, at Sagebrush, the staff members call me Popo. That's what they call me around here. Uh, and we have silly nicknames that don't mean much of, of anything. But Barnabas's nickname really meant something. Because the name Barnabas means son of encouragement. Now imagine that, right? His nickname is based upon the fact that he was so encouraging. That he always lifted other people up. That he always helped people out. When they were at a low, he would pick them up from the place that they were in. And Barnabas at times went through great personal loss and put himself out there just to encourage other people. And Barnabas' story is found in the book of Acts. So Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. And after that, we find that those original disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to go out and they share about Jesus. Well, Barnabas would have been one of the early followers of Jesus Christ. And after the Holy Spirit fills them, amazing things happen in their midst. They see people's lives radically changed by Jesus. They see that new community is formed just by the relationships that they had. And miracles were be done, being done every day in their midst. God was working in huge ways. And God needed more people than just those original disciples. So God raised up Barnabas to make sure that this message of Jesus went out. And we find that the son of encouragement, Barnabas, is so important for us. Because I believe he teaches us how we can be encouraging to other people. You got to start with this. Number one, Barnabas was generous. Barnabas was generous. I think most of us, we want to be generous people, don't we? None of us want to be like stingy or a miser with our money or with our time. But often we're a little bit confused by generosity because often we think that we have feelings for someone else and we confuse that actually with generosity. Like for instance, we always say this around here, it might be that you're up late at night and you see one of those commercials that come on with pictures from a third world country and you see a person who's starving, right? And you feel great compassion for that person. You feel great sympathy, but then you never do anything about it. That's just a feeling, right? Generosity is something so different because you are motivated to action. You're motivated to do something about what you've seen on the screen and you take action. And that's exactly who Barnabas was. He wasn't just a guy who was filled with compassion. He was a man of action. He steps up and he's very generous. And we find his story at the very beginning in Acts chapter 4, verse number 33. Here's what it says. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, this is a crazy story, right? Because during this time in the early church, they're sharing what they have. 
And as they're sharing their finances and their resources, the Bible records that there wasn't one needy person among them. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they're sharing everything. They're seeing needs all around them, and they're not just sitting on the sidelines going, oh, I feel sorry for you. No, they're stepping up. They're helping those who are in a bad situation, and that's just what Barnabas does. Barnabas, the Bible records, takes a piece of his own property, and he sells it. And he takes the profit, and he puts it at the apostles' feet. You might say, well, what did the apostles do with that money? Well, they took care of those people who were poor. They fed those people who couldn't feed themselves. Those widows and those orphans who couldn't take care of themselves, they took care of. And there wasn't a needy person among them because God raised up these people who were so generous. Now think about what this meant for Barnabas, right? Because this land probably would have been in Barnabas' family for a long, long time. This was probably their family plot on the island of Cyprus. I mean, if you thought about like retirement or anything else, this would be the place that you want to retire. Out on an island with the Mediterranean, you could grow your crops. Everything would be so nice. I'm sure for Barnabas, like this is his own personal nest egg. I'm sure that Barnabas's uh, like financial advisor would be jumping up and down right now. Like, why would you sell that piece of property? But Barnabas was so generous. And he saw what the apostles could do through it. And the amount of people who might come to know Jesus through that gift. And so he gives very generously. And that's what encouragement does. Sometimes encouragement costs you a price. It costs you something, doesn't it? But it's a price that we have to be willing to pay so that we could lift other people up. So Barnabas starts with generosity. That's what we see in him. The second thing that we see is that Barnabas is inclusive. Barnabas is inclusive of others. Now, all of us love to be included, don't we? We love being invited over to somebody else's house for dinner because we don't have to cook, which is very nice. We love being invited to a wedding or a party or or something else. We love to be included. We love to be included when there's like that work project where your boss walks down to your office and says, hey, I want you to lead this team. I want you to put an answer or proposal together to solve this and this problem. We love to be included. I mean, I think back to my elementary school days, and I was not included a lot when it came to sports. That's just how God made me. I'm not a very tall man, okay? But I still remember, I have bad memories of being out like on the basketball court and picking teams. And I was always the guy to be picked last. And that always hurts, doesn't it? When you're not included. However, when it came to the sport of dodgeball, I was very small and agile. So I was always the first to get picked. I always loved being included. And the same is true for us, right? We love to be included. And that's who Barnabas was. Barnabas was a guy who included others. In fact, in Barnabas' story, there's a guy who comes to Jerusalem named Saul. And Saul was a guy who had a checkered past. Before he met Jesus, he used to kill and he used to persecute other Christians. But then all of a sudden, this guy arrives in Jerusalem. And he says, hey, I really want to get to know the disciples because, man, I have had God change my life. And, man, I really want to get to know them so that I can help them out with the cause. 
Well, all the disciples are thinking, likely story, buddy. I mean, really, you've had this life-changing experience and you just want to hang out with us for no reason? And they really resisted getting to know Saul. That was until Barnabas showed up and included him. That's what it says in Acts chapter 9. Here's what it says in verse 26. When he, that's Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So Saul comes to Jerusalem hoping to meet the disciples, but they're all leery. They're thinking, this guy has come to town, and man, he's just looking to infiltrate our ranks. He just wants to bring us down so he could persecute us worse and put us in jail. And I get that. Because those original disciples, they were, they were probably thinking about their own families. They were probably thinking about what would it be like if this guy comes in and then I get thrown in jail. And I can't do that ministry that I want to do. And so they're all leery. Everyone except for Barnabas. Barnabas says, you know what, I'm going to take some time to get to know Saul. I want to see who he is. And so I'm sure that Barnabas sat down with Saul and said, tell me your story. And then Saul begins to recount how he was on the road to Damascus and he was riding on his donkey and then he was knocked off by Jesus. And that changed his whole life. And then he begins to fearlessly preach about Jesus all throughout Damascus and God had truly changed his life. And he was in Jerusalem to get connected to the disciples so he could do even more for God. Now Barnabas doesn't put his ear up and his hand up and say, likely story, Saul. But instead he welcomes him in. And Barnabas welcomes Saul to the table and introduces him to all the other disciples. And then Saul goes out and he begins to share about the Lord. Now think about this. Barnabas was the only guy. He was the only guy who looked deeply into Saul's life and said, there's more to this story. He's the only guy who saw what could be if this guy really turned his life around to God and how God could really use him to win lots of people. Now think about that for us, right? We have to be inclusive in that same way. Looking past people where they're at right now, believing that there's more to the story. We have to believe that there's more in others because God has the power to change lives. And that's what I love about this church. Because as a pastor here, I have the opportunity to have a front row seat to see how God changes people in our midst. I love that people who are sitting in jail right now have the opportunity to see one of our services at Sagebrush, and many of them come to know Jesus Christ through watching our services. And then after they get out of jail, they come to our church, and we welcome them in. I love that there are people who have had failing marriages who found their way to our re-engage program. They got honest and open with what was really going on in their life. And God began to change their marriage. And now they're happily married because God changed them. I love that we've had people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, pornography, and so much more. Then they found their way to our Living Free program. 
And when they got into living free, they found freedom from all those different addictions. And now they come to our church regularly because they've been changed by God. I love every weekend that we are surrounded by people who have had changed lives. And that's not just through us as a church. That's because God is working every single weekend. I love that I can come into this church and I can sit in my row as a little preppy guy with my cool new jean jacket. Oh, yeah. And then just a few seats down is like a biker guy in like full leathers smelling like meat and cheese, right? I love that people can come into our church with like full sleeve tattoos and then there's other people who come in in business suits. I love that at our church, we're more concerned about people's hearts than their outward appearance. Isn't that so good? Why? Because that is what God's concerned about. We only have one rule at this church. It's that you wear clothes. <laughs> Just wear clothes, okay? Why? Because we know that God can change people. We know that God takes people who are the worst of sinners, and he can transform them into his own likeness. Think about it. All of the people in the Bible had a past. Just look at it. Just at the very beginning. Noah, he was drunk. Abraham, he was a liar. Isaac played favorites with his own kids. Jacob was a thief. Joseph was proud and arrogant. Samson was an absolute mess. David, David committed adultery. Then to cover up his own adultery, he had a man killed. I mean, think about it. That's just the, the first few pages and first few chapters of the Bible. But what we know is that God changes people with a past. That we are all sinners who are in need of a Savior. And we all are equal at the foot of the cross. All of us need him. And because Jesus came, and because Jesus died on the cross, not just for me, but for every single person, we should be welcoming as well. We should be inclusive of others. We should believe that there's room at this table for people who are lost, for people who are broken to come to join us, believing that God could change their very life because that's what God does. He transforms us in his presence. So we need to be inclusive if we want to encourage others. The final thing that we see in Barnabas' life is that he spoke words of life. He spoke words of life. Make no mistake about it, most of us fall victim to negative thinking. In fact, every single day, you will have about 60,000 thoughts. The Cleveland Clinic actually did a study of this, and they found that 80% of those thoughts will be negative. That's so sad, because that means every day we encounter people who are just down on themselves, who think that they're never going to amount to much of anything. They're never going to live up to that dream. They're never going to make a name for someone else. Or they're never going to do anything of value. We interact with people who are so negative all day long. And it's to that lost and broken world that God calls us to. To speak life. And that's just the world that Barnabas was called to. Because he was always a man who brought out the best in others. He was always a man who spoke life when people were down. In fact, there's a situation where Saul is completely down. 
where I believe he was locked up a little bit in negative thinking, where he actually went back home after serving in Jerusalem for some time. Well, Barnabas goes to him personally, and we find that in Acts chapter 11. It says this, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the people and the church, and they taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So here is Saul, right? He's gone back home. A persecution broke out in Jerusalem, and they said, hey, for your safety, you should probably go back to your hometown. So there he is, and he sits actually for years in his hometown. And we wonder during that time, was he sitting in all those negative thoughts? Was he thinking about all the people that he persecuted over all those years? Was he thinking about all the blood that was on his hands for the people that he had killed just for the sake of being followers of Christ? I think that Paul might have been locked up in some negative thinking. And so I love that Barnabas goes to him. He goes to him personally, and he shows up in his town, and he says, hey, there is more in you. There is more in you. And in fact, I want you to come to the city of Antioch, which is the third largest city in the Roman world. He says, I want you to be my co-worker because I got these, all these new believers that need to get trained. All these new believers have questions about God and everything else. I think you should go with me. And Saul goes with Barnabas, and they have this powerful ministry in the city of Antioch. You see, Barnabas spoke life, and Barnabas' words were life-giving. I love that proverb and what it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 21. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk reap the consequences. What's the encouragement there? Saying that with your words, you have the power of life and death. Now that for me is humbling. Because I think back to all my conversations, even this week. How many times I just let my words fly. How many times I didn't think carefully about what I was to say, and I had to say the words, I'm sorry. How many times that I just didn't carefully consider if I was building people up, but instead I tore someone else down. I also think back to the times, though, where I got this one right. I think back to the times where I used my words just to lift people up, whether it was my own kids or my wife or other people who are coworkers at this church. Man, I know that God has used me in a way to use my words to build people up. And Barnabas knew that as well. Barnabas knew how to speak life into other people. He knew how to encourage others. And he encouraged them actually with the best news possible. Because when he went out, he shared not just words of, you're a great person, you can do it. But he always shared about Jesus. And that's the most encouraging message that you and I could ever share. And everywhere that Barnabas went, he would share how there's a God who loves you. There's a God who created the whole world that we see all around us. But this world is fundamentally broken. And that's because mankind turned away from God. And because we turned away from God, there is this disconnect. There's this separation now that we live with from God. But the good news is that God saw the mess that we were in. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, down on this earth to die a horrific death on the cross, to pay for every wrong thing that you and I have ever done. 
He came to bridge that gap between us and God. He made it possible so that we could have a relationship with God here in this life and also in the life to come in heaven. That was the good news that Barnabas shared with everyone. That he gave them an opportunity to believe in Jesus. And that's the most encouraging thing that we could ever share with others. And think about this. When God was calling the first missionaries, who did he choose? He chose Barnabas. Because God needed a guy who was generous. God needed a guy who was inclusive of other people who weren't like him. And he needed a man who would speak life into others. But who did Barnabas take with him on that first missionary journey? He took Saul. Saul went with him on the first missionary journey. And during that time on that first missionary journey, his name is changed from Saul to Paul. And he becomes one of the best missionaries that the world has ever seen. He wrote half of the books that we have in the New Testament. Why? Because one guy took the time to encourage him. One guy took the opportunity to speak words of life that built him up to do things far beyond what he ever dreamt or imagined. And that's the amazing story of Barnabas and Paul. Is that God can take our ministry and he could use it for great things. But you might think, okay, Andrew, great talk. That's so cool. Story of Barnabas. Like, what do I do now? Well, if that's you today, I, I want to give you some homework to do this week. So pull out a piece of paper, open up your app on your phone, because I want to give you some things to do. Let's start with this. How can you encourage others through being generous? Well, why don't you try this? Just invite them to church. And when you invite them to church, don't be cheap. Like afterwards, take them out to eat. We can go to restaurants now. Thank you, Jesus, okay? But take them out to eat or take them out to have some fun or just to have a conversation or maybe sit with them over coffee and talk to them about what they, they learned. Maybe your generosity should be finding a cause that you believe in to support. Maybe that's tithing for the first time or, or giving to charity so that you could do something beyond just feeling those feelings of compassion. I would also encourage you to be inclusive. Be inclusive. Whether it's that person at work that no one else likes. Maybe they have the cubicle that nobody wants to like, go down to because they're that guy or that gal. What if you were inclusive and you spent time just talking with them, finding out about their life? Or maybe you have a neighbor that no one else likes. Maybe they run their car at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Or they have a cat. Or something else. What if you were inclusive with them? And you spent time getting to know them. And you built a relationship so that you could have a conversation. All of us know people who are not included that we could reach out to. What if you took the time this week to speak words of life? Maybe you start with your own family, with your spouse, or with your kids. Maybe it's been a long time since you actually sat down and you focused on them and you encouraged them with your words. What if you took the time to write a letter to somebody else, just letting them know how much you care about them, or an email, or maybe even right now in this moment, you send them a text message to say just how much you appreciate what they did for you. I know this. 11 years ago, when that couple, Donna and Ed, wrote me this letter, 
It changed so much for me. Never, never underestimate the power that you have in encouraging another person. What if God raised us up as a church and he made us a church that was just encouraging? What if every single one of us took this very seriously? I believe that we would be a powerful force to build the kingdom of God. I believe that we would all have an extra helping of praise for others. So let's go out and let's encourage other people this week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for the way that you have loved on me so much for the people that I get to speak to at this church. God, they daily and weekly and monthly just encourage me. Father, I thank you for that. I pray, God, that we would be a church that's filled with encouragers, filled with people who go out of their way to make people feel welcomed and loved. God, I pray that even this week we would do that homework, that, God, we would be just like Barnabas was, that we would be generous, Lord, that we'd be inclusive of other people who may not look like us or may not talk like us, that, God, we would go out of our way to speak life into our families, with our friends and with outsiders who may not even know you, God. I pray, God, that you would use us to bring this encouragement to this lost world. And God, we know that there's a world around us that's just so negative right now. So God, would you use us as a light for you? And God, I pray even on all of our campuses and Father, for those who are joining us online, even in this moment, that you would encourage people to take a next step. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. With no one moving around, this is the most important time of our service because you might be sitting here thinking, man, I need some things to change in my life. There's a lot going on that I need help with and I need somebody to talk to. If that's you, we don't want you to leave before having a conversation. And the best place that we can have that conversation if you're here with us in person is over in our First Steps room. You just walk right out these double doors to room 111. There we've got pastors as well as trained decision team members who would love to talk with you about what's going on in your life and they would love to pray with you. They'll also encourage you to take some next steps in your faith. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God or you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll go by that room so that we could have a conversation with you about how to do that. Maybe you are inspired by those who got baptized today in this service and you want to get baptized. Well, we would love to have the conversation about baptism baptism with you over in the first steps room. Maybe you just take a ne- need to take a next step of finding a small group or joining a ministry. All that we can do over in the first step room. But you got to make that effort to walk over there. If you're watching with us online, the easiest way that you can make a decision is simply by calling us or texting us at our church phone number, which is 505-922-9200. You can call or text that number and a pastor will pick it up or one of our team members will get in touch with you and they'll help you with whatever you're going through right now in your life. We want to be a blessing to you, but you've got to reach out to us by either calling us or texting us at 505-922-9200. If you are a new believer or you're just starting out in your faith, we're excited because we are just launching a brand new class called Next Steps. And our Next Steps class is a four-week class that we're offering. It starts next week that covers over the basics about what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
So Todd like sat down behind a, a camera and he recorded 20 different devotionals of the 20 things that we all wish that we would have known when we first started out in our faith. So it is a great study to go through if you're starting in your faith or if you're just now plugging into Sagebrush. This is so good for you. If you'd like to get registered for the class that's starting next week, you could go online to our website at sagebrush.church forward slash next. And you could sign up for the class that works best for your schedule or you could get all the information about what it's about. Hey, next week, we're excited. We're kicking off a brand new series called Text. And it's an overview for how the Bible was put together and how we know that the Bible is reliable. It is going to be an amazing series over the summer. You're not going to want to miss it because Todd is going to be back next week. He is fresh back home from Belize and he is excited and he's got all of that excitement pent up to share with us next week. So make sure to be here. God bless you guys. We hope to see you next week. Meet a new friend on your way out.